Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist and shop owner. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, minipolitan millennial. On Matter of Fat, we're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. And we have been doing just that for like about five yes. seasons now. Yeah. Therefore, we thought it would be worth a revisit to some of our most loved mini soaps. Yes. So worth it. And okay. So just to be clear, this is not us like re-editing our episodes and playing them back for you. No, no. Um, while we realize we've been doing the pod for so long, like things have changed. Our perspectives have changed. The world has changed and evolved, especially in terms of understanding around fat liberation and body positivity. Um, so they're worth a revisit. Yeah, exactly. So it's worth a conversation. We're going to take a little time with you today to do a recap and discussion of our mini-sodes on body positivity, fat liberation, fat phobia, and diet culture. Some of you may have listened to these mini-sodes in season three. Um, For others, maybe you're like, what are you even talking about? And I I would say, whatever camp you are in, you're in the right place right now. (laughs) Even if this is your first episode you've ever listened to, welcome, welcome. And this isn't a bad place to start, necessarily. It may be a little confusing because we're off of our normal flow, right? Like, we're not interviewing someone we're not doing a fat dish where we just chat. We're not <laughs> doing an actual mini-sode. So it is a little weird. Yeah, this is a weird but, episode for us. But like an exciting one to embark upon. Truly. We did a really impressive job, if I do say so myself, of packing a lot of content into very, very short episodes. And that's not – like I said, that's not what we do. We're very chatty. Mm-hmm. We like to have – to steal one of Kat's uh, phrases, free wheel in conversation. So glad you included that. We do. <laughs> we've really, we've really moved into a lot of free wheel and convos here on Matter of Fat. Because of that, we're going to do a quick recap of each of those minisodes that we mentioned, what we still enjoy from those minisodes, and any changes or updates that would be worthwhile to explore in a com- in, in a free wheel in conversation. <laughs> I mean, it's our final season, so it's nice to revisit certain parts of our project. And if you've been listening this season, you've noticed we've done some um, updates on previous guests and things like that. So we really see this kind of fitting in right in the spirit of this reflection as part of season five. If you haven't listened to those mini-sodes, I think it might be worthwhile, um, even though we're doing a recap and talking about some of these things. We got a lot in there uh, we sure that we can't did. cover. No? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's actually, it's so interesting, and we'll probably get into this more, but like this was, so season three started off with these minisodes. They were the first things that Soraya and I recorded like remotely. We had been recording yeah. in the in studio at KFAI the whole season one and two. And then when pandemic life started, we learned how to record remotely. Um, so in one sense, like I'm really proud of, well, I'm in for a lot of reasons, I'm proud of those minisodes. But uh, at the on the other hand, like you can tell it was one of the first things that we did remotely. <laughs> it was all very new for us. And also it is, is new. And the reason we get to revisit it is because this conversation has extended i mean we weren't the first and only people talking about this just to be clear like we're not the first people to do a podcast about 
body positivity or fat lib. But it's interesting how some of the work that we were doing now is like expounded upon and gone into greater detail with like one of our favorite podcasts, Maintenance Phase. And these little minisodes came up before that. And yet there's some like mirroring happening in that content, which is really exciting. And I don't, I don't know. I doubt that like Michael Hobbs and Aubrey Gordon were like listening to Matter of Fat and we provided inspiration in any way for them. No, no, no. I think that it is cool. I mean, I just feel like kind of impressed with us, Soraya, that we came up with these mini so topics and like this level of like, I don't know, exploration and reflection around certain pieces of information. Um, before we had ever like listened to maintenance phase or known that that was, you know, seen that happen in another podcast form. Yeah. So like to reiterate this, I think we've done a good job of emphasizing this, but uh, this is just another example of how, when we were putting this together, there were some conversations happening, but clearly those conversations have expanded and are on like such a larger scale than what we could have even imagined when we came out with Mm -hmm. them, which is like, very reassuring because we talk about a lot of (laughs) awful things, hard things, difficult, challenging things. But to know that even these concepts that we talked about years ago have like um, prospered and grown in people's minds and their dialogues is just really, really heartwarming. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Same. And that like that conversation is continuing. And Mm -hmm. I kind of think in that spirit, spirit, we are also continuing the conversation. So Let's get started with one of our first minisodes on body positivity. Sreya, you ready for a little recap of our body positivity minisode? Stay ready so you don't need to get ready is what I what I have to wow. say in regards to that. <laughs> um, okay, so yep. we <laughs> it was just like such a delight and a lot of LOLs re-listening to this because like we mentioned, we just like packed so much info in. But Soraya, for this body positivity episode, I don't know if you remember, but we a couple times referenced that <laughs> we were like Mythbusters. <laughs> I think we said no, we're your favorite fat Midwestern mu- Mythbusters ready to talk about body positivity (laughs) and you know in our intro I think we had sort of assumed that people listening would be expecting us to like sing the praises of body positivity but of course that's not where we stand but as I was listening I was kind of wondering like really I don't even I don't know if that's actually what people were thinking I don't know why we were so like into this Mythbusters um setup of it all Listen, when we try to come up with those intros, sometimes it takes us down very weird, weird roadways is all I'll have to say. (laughs) Just commit to the bit. We'll do it. (laughs) We will. We have. We have. And we did. Um, (laughs) For just like a quick little recap, body positivity, I'll offer a definition um, that we shared, you know, in detail in the the mini-sode. But body positivity is a social movement rooted in the belief that all bodies deserve respect, regardless of form, size, and appearance. And it's a movement that values body autonomy and can, as we see it, can go beyond just body size. So, you know, I, there were a lot of things I loved about this episode. And there were also, you know, things that maybe I would have changed, like looking back on it. Um, I think one of the things that I maybe would have liked to do differently is just like be a little bit meaner, (laughs) 
like I feel like that's the most cat thing <laughs> in in 2022 versus 2020 I, like yes yeah, absolutely I guess, like we so we spent a good deal of time like being skeptical and critical of body positivity and also sharing you know the ways in which we think that like the 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 movement has merit um specifically like you know well at least at the time of recording Soraya you and I really saw body positivity as like a good entry point for many folks like we saw people mm-hmm. kind of coming into more like radical understandings about their bodies, maybe through body positivity and then it being able to like move more toward fat liberation and also like appreciation of like intersecting identities and like, you know, other systems of oppression that are impacting people uh, like all kind of tied together. I don't know. We had said, and I still believe this um, and I'm interested to know if you do, we had said like, get them in with the body positivity, stick around for the fat liberation or something to that effect. And I, I honestly still feel that way. I'm wondering, do you still feel that way? I mean, I do. I'm curious what you mean by meaner because. Oh, meaner. Okay. So we were, we sang the praises of body positivity in a few ways and then also you know share lots of cons like it's been so watered down that it's essentially meaningless it's incredibly commercialized yeah. it lacks intersectionality um and it pushes everyone to like love our bodies even if that's not possible or doable or desirable you know um and i i was like when we talked about being mythbusters at the beginning i was like oh buckle up for this scathing review that we offered and i would have been a little more scathing i think i think i would have liked to be a little more even more critical of fat liberation excuse me woof, a little more critical of body positivity woof. in this Thanks. episode this took a real turn this year podcast i i agree and also like uh, i don't know i think it is still an entrance point and when we made those minisodes it was really a primer for ourselves like honestly we had been talking about the concepts for a long time but we wanted to make it accessible and like in the spirit of that i think we didn't want to be too scathing and too harsh if that's where people were at when they were listening to it for the first time that's a really good point and hey you bring up you kind of set this up like i wanted to know something i did like a lot about the with this we brought this into all of these episodes is in the intro we mentioned that we talk a lot a lot about different things on the podcast and sometimes we use words phrases or concept that might be unfamiliar or could use a deeper dive and like that's kind of how we presented mm-hmm. the like okay so in this little mini episode we're talking about you know the topic and i i really like that i also remember like Early on in, I think it'd be season one, like sometimes we would use words and like our moms would be like, what does that mean? Yeah. And we would talk more about it. And so I do, I appreciate this idea of like um, taking the time to talk about some basics that we might, you know, like we use words or phrases or ideas very just like matter of factly um, and to consider that like other people just like might not know what's meant by that. So I, I appreciated the, I, the, how we like went into things more in depth in these episodes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think like being scathing at that point just didn't gel with what the point like of us Stepping back, because right. I think I distinctly remember when I found out what body positivity was, and I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, this is, you know, earth shattering. This is totally different and also yeah, a lot yeah. to take in. And so um, it really is a spectrum. And mm-hmm. I think it's just telling of where you're at and where I'm at that we're so like, what is that? Especially about how much more commercialized it is now than ever before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Your disdain is warranted. I don't know that I would change it if we were to redo it now. Yeah. I guess I don't know if I would either. I was just expecting me more critical (laughs) more critical yes that's the better way to say it um but also too like we use the word like body positive in the tagline of our podcast you know so like there's there's usefulness um five seasons and we never changed it so here it is we sure didn't um i'm trying to think of some other things i wanted to share oh um i liked how we spent uh well i will say as I was listening to it, this was a, one of our quicker ones. It was like 11 minutes or something, 12 minutes. Like we packed so much into this. Yeah. And so I just wanted more, more, more. And I know that was not the point of this. Like the reason we didn't put more, more, more is that it wouldn't have been a quick, easy explainer, you know, mini-sode. We had to shave um, down so much and be so thoughtful with our words to pack everything in that I think listening back to that, I'm like, I'm sorry, what was that sentence that was just I know. said? Like, I think it's important, but I can't follow it. So yeah. Well, remember how much we researched for these? We yeah. researched so much. We read so much and made just like, we would read, we'd make notes, we'd make the notes into scripts, we'd make the scripts edited more. We just, there was a lot of writing that went into this process. Yeah. And I think now, especially because our conversations are more freewheeling, um, it was <laughs> less we <laughs> we really notice how structured and scripted those were, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, remember we talked one of the, I mean, of course we use like a tons of quotes from different people, but one of the things I was really happy that we talked about was um, we referenced Caleb Luna's article about super fat erasure, this article called super fat erasure, four ways, smaller fat bodies crowd the conversation. And I was really proud of how we, um, made sure that that was part of what we discussed in the body positivity conversation, as well as the fat liberation one, which we'll talk about more. And it reminded me of this tweet uh, I saw recently from discovering Casey, who, by the way, um, so yeah, we can share, right? Casey will be on our podcast later this season mm-hmm. as an interview guest. Um, but they had this tweet recently that said, Dear small fats, what straight sized people did to body positivity is what you are doing to larger fat bodies, excluding them even in their own spaces. Mm. And I just really, I want to make sure that we're like continuing to bring that up and to prioritize super fat folks um, in conversations around fatness and any kind of body conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's something I liked about the um, the mini-sode. And it just re- reminded me of literally this tweet that I saw the other day that I wanted to share too. That's kind of cool because we talked about making content that was evergreen or always useful. And the fact that that at least still aligns with something that's important and true for us today Mm -hmm. is a hallmark of like our goals and our intentions aligning with that. So yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other things that I would like to change or add or amend. Oh, okay. I have two that I need to share before I move on. Number one, I would like to amend how hard I was on these minisodes. Say it again. (laughs) Please. There was a time where I was like, Soraya, these are trash. How Mm -hmm. could we produce such a thing? But I think time away from it and listening to them more, they really are very good. We shared (laughs) so much information. And I think they were just a little bit like, we're fast talking. We're doing things. We're, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, and so there are some things I would tweak in that sense, but like the, the content covered, I still think was like really, really, really good. Um, yeah. So I would like to sh- offer that. Um, I know that's not really what we were going. F- it's not specific to this episode, but I did want to share that with Very you and our, our, our audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
And also, um, there is a time, and I guess I referenced this already, but I have a quote here. I didn't realize I wrote the quote in the notes. Um, I had said, I want to get as many people on this rad fat liberation train as possible, even if it means we get them with the body positivity and have them stick around for the fat liberation. And I wish, <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. my dorky ass would have no. done like a toot toot. Oh, no. <laughs> or like choo choo. I'm glad you did it. Because of the train. Gosh. Because we'll get to this in some other episodes. Oh, I had Lord. some kind of fun sound effects that I think Soraya would have liked to amend. Heavy and quotes around fun sound effects, folks. <laughs> um yeah okay so that is something too do you have any do you like (laughs) is there anything else that you can remember from from the body positivity mini so that you would like to share um no I think you did a good job of focusing on it's just more right like everything we said was just a titch of everything else we could have talked about like as an example I think we like mentioned body neutrality like in literally one sentence and it's just like okay cool give it you know it would have been so nice to offer more Mm -hmm. but it, it there's like you know I think this is probably what I don't know. Um, is it bold to call this like aligned with journalism? But like, you know, when you're <laughs> journalists are like telling stories or whatever, it's like you have to cut it somewhere, you yeah. know, like you have to focus in on on your theme because like if not, then you dilute all of it. And it's just like, what are you even saying? So I'm again, like proud of what we did and also yeah. agree more would have been really fun to explore. I guess this isn't specific to this minisode, um, but if you do give it a listen again, or if this is just helpful for framing it, it wasn't just us dumping information <laughs> through the through the airwaves to you. We did have a structure to it, and I did like that we gave some suggestions at the end or, like, ideas of how to, like, walk away from – because we did get a little mean. We got a little bit like, oh, this is awful. Like, this isn't yeah. a good time. Like, this is not actually what will help change – the future in a positive way, but we did give some suggestions and we kind of did that through all of them because all of these topics are hard and can be despair laden. But what we've really invited people to do is like radicalize instead of fall yeah. into despair. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we did kind of keep like that sort of framework throughout all of these. And I think that sometimes like that's what's missing from some of these more like investigative reporting or like. Are we journalists now? About- do we get, do we get no, to try put that on my think- LinkedIn? I I wish I don't know. You can put whatever you want. Will I you endorse like me? A, sure. Done no, 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 and done. No. Will you, the oh, listener, endorse Soraya? <laughs> I'm terrible at Facebook. I'm not better at LinkedIn, but find me there and endorse me for journalism, please. Okay, you don't Thank do anything you. on LinkedIn, do you? Or do you? Is that like your secret like place you thrive on social? Media? Oh my gosh, what if that's been my secret? All I know, I don't know. I go on LinkedIn uh, every quarter. <laughs> cool it's on my my list to get better at i don't know i did this is so such a non sequitur but i did have a conversation with a friend over linkedin chat um exclusively through the predictive text that it brings up um yeah it was martha um hey hey shout out to martha uh but like we just went back and forth for like two hours one day that's so silly and let me tell you so this is all predictive based on like what other people's messages are through linkedin Okay. It gets a little saucy. Oh. It was weird, the emoji choices that kept popping up and like some of the stuff I'm like, what are what are people saying in the LinkedIn chats? What are these DMs really for? So but- that wow interesting I have, I have so many questions um but to much use, like many of our minisodes so yeah. many more questions 
what I was going to say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we, in the interest of time and yes. dedication to the topic, probably will not continue it. down that rabbit hole. Well, you yeah. already kind of let us into it because we talked about body positivity and how yeah. like fat liberation is so much better. So yeah. let's just talk about that one next. Yeah, because that was our next one. Um, and as a quick little like definition recap, fat liberation is a movement that pushes back against fat phobia, fat bias, and size-based discrimination in public and private domains and demands equality and inclusion for people living in larger bodies. And I would say this is one of our meteor minisodes in terms of like history that we shared. I mean, we really went through like history of the movement. And then we talked about a reality check of where we are today. Um, And then, you know, in this framework that you mentioned earlier, Sreya talked about like what it means to us and like what to do, you know, like where do we go from here? Um, I like how we talked through lots of history. So like you'll, Sreya, you'll remember this because you, I think were as the two of us responsible for like this section. Yeah. We talked about like the 1967 fat in protest. We talked about NAFA, the national association to advance fat acceptance. We talked in the, at length about the fat underground and Judy free spirit and Sarah Fishman, AKA elder Baron, AKA Vivian F. Mayer. Um, we talked about Lou Lauterbeck's uh, article, more people should be fat in the Saturday evening post. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of, you know, it was like, whoop, well, then the nineties and then there's bloggers and activists and academics who are um, engaging in fat studies. And in 2009, the fat studies reader edited by Sandra Solovey and Esther Rothblum came out. Um, and so I think it was cool to dive into that. I would also say that like, I'm sure we left stuff out and we said that we're like, this mm-hmm. is a very like U S centric look at this we're of course leaving things out i'm just probably convinced we left a lot of things out because you oh, know, yeah. history prioritizes like white people doing stuff um and while that's not everyone you know that we looked into it just feels like there's just a lot that was missing but also like i don't have an idea of how we would have done it like how to include everything so it again is like in the spirit of much more to be unpacked here you know Mm -hmm. I guess one bias that we have is that we kind of ended that timeline at like our um consciousness around this history like if you go back to Tumblr like we talk about it so much in other episodes and interviews about Tumblr and people who were really on the scene and like 20 2012 2013 like and on and on and on and so I think that's kind of maybe where we left off that could have been helpful to dive into more but because we feel like we've talked about it before or it's so much a part of our stories as a matter of fact that we didn't really dive into it further that's a really good point yeah I really yeah that's a really good point We spent a lot of time talking about the Fat Liberation Manifesto. I fucking love the Fat Liberation Manifesto. (laughs) We did that because you love it. I mean, I don't dislike it. I think it was really helpful to look back at that and see just how accurate it is till today. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But like you really love it. (laughs) So we spent a lot of time on it, which was good. We did. I mean, short of me just like reading it all in full. Uh-huh. We didn't do that, but we, we got <laughs> we pretty dang close. Like lots of parts. We sure did lots of parts. And then um, we talked, you know, like, like, okay, here, this was the language used and like how this is just as accurate today as it was then. Um, say yeah, say so, a part. Well, I guess like I, we could, the, my favorite is that at the end um, of the Fat Liberation Manifesto where they say, we refuse to be subjugated by the interests of our enemies. We fully intend to reclaim power over our bodies and our lives. We commit ourselves to pursue these goals together. And it's just so nice. If I was a cult leader, this would be, this would be (laughs) the Ten Commandments.
commandments. This would be, I don't know, Soraya. I, I, yeah, I could just go on and on. I don't know if I geeked out this much. No, we, I didn't because yeah. it was scripted, so I wasn't able to gush this much. But man, I love that Liberation Manifesto. Um, so there, that was really cool to do. Yeah, there's hmm? such power in those words. And also, yeah. I'm dying if you were a cult leader i love that you're considering this and also really... maybe you're already on the track maybe oh you're already what on if that this way. is a cult oh my god Uh-oh. um we i you know this right i listened to a podcast um maybe like last year about cult leaders and i had this idea of like oh no this i would be very good at this i don't think i'd use my powers in the, those ways but okay wow, so. but why is it that i've been asking all did i not tell you about this and like all these uh, professional <laughs> environments. Oh my god! I've been asking yes. people like, "What cult would you join? <laughs> like, yes. if you joined a cult, what cult would it be?" Like, so I've yes. been asking people that. So I don't know if I told you that or not. I think okay. Remember when you and me and Lindsay had pizza that one time? Yeah, we were talking about this, and I actually think I will not say my response okay. on the podcast because I feel like my FBI agent would not be into that being shared publicly. Oh, and you know what? I can't wait what? for this episode to be played on a Netflix documentary. <laughs> Cannot wait. Finally, the exposure so. we demand and deserve. <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of Netflix, mm-hmm. something I love about this episode, and honestly, I think. Like Almost every her, episode. <laughs> her work comes into all of these minisodes. We are such Yvette Dion fangirls. I mean, forever and ever. The things that Yvette Dion has written about fat liberation um, and topics like related to it, it, it is just all so good. And we reference so many of her pieces throughout these minisodes. So I just like had to had to shout Yvette Dion out. And if you don't understand how that connects with Netflix, Netflix had oh, yeah. hired a bunch of amazing black women writers and then laid them all off. And Yvette was one of them. So much uh, as we hearken back to the first season with Kat saying, Netflix do better. Do better. Netflix still. Stop it. Just like stop. Cut it out. So we love Yvette Dion cooling on Netflix. Gotta say. Uh, Something I think would be also helpful to mention, like all of the stuff we referenced that found its way into the minisodes we have in our show notes i don't know if they made it into the show notes that like you might see on apple Podcasts or spotify but if you go to our website it's truly like there's just like a you know for more information kind of reader that we put together for, mm-hmm. for, for everyone um everything that we reference in a minisode we have hyperlinked on our website so like you can go and read all the stuff that we read and referenced in these minisodes mm-hmm. yeah and i happy we did that because truly we we read a lot for these bibliographies baby mm-hmm. um uh, the final thing i will say is that i feel when i was listening so like in the the cadence of i don't know if cadence is the right word the like the way we set up all of these at the end of the fat liberation episode we talked about like what fat liberation means to us and when i was listening to myself talk i was just like cat this is how how many times did you edit and rewrite this you know like i was just struck by um yeah, like it was all true and real information, but I feel like it came across as like not because it it was just so like, I don't know, I was too in my head with it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish it was more freewheeling. Freewheeling conversation. I, I yeah. think it's just a testament to like how much we've allowed ourselves to grow in comfort with yeah. the conversation and recording it and putting it out in the world too. 
I agree. You know what else I wonder, though? Like, here I am. My, my This is the fourth time I've mentioned it. You know how I enjoy that now our episodes are more chatty and conversational. But I wonder, you know, there might be folks listening right now who are like, oh, I miss yeah. how much, like, more concise things were, <laughs> how much more clever your jokes were. Oh, let's how never, you didn't let's never say tangents. that any jokes have been clever ever. Well, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's very possible that, like, just because that's what I'm attracted to right now in for our podcast and just kind of podcast in general, that doesn't mean that's like what other folks feel too. So I guess um, I just want to like, you know, name that like it, it's, I'm interested. I think that like all, all kinds of people like all kinds of different things. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure there are some folks maybe who would prefer the way we, we came at these episodes than the way we do now. Yeah. Well, true that and also I think there's a level of confidence that comes with our conversations now that maybe I well I'll just speak for myself didn't have early on not necessarily mm. with these mini shows a little bit because this was a mm. new um, way of of capturing our conversation but I don't know dude if we didn't have it scripted out before I felt like I was going to misspeak I was going to harm people I was going to say something wrong and apparently <laughs> not worried about that anymore. I should be. It's not that I'm not worried about that, but I feel like we've done it enough that I, I and I feel comfortable enough with you and our listeners that um, I think that confidence comes through in the conversation, even if it isn't as polished as it once was. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And also, Soraya, where my mind goes, and you may edit this out if you want to, Uh-oh. I just feel like season five, this is what happens when both your co-hosts are on anti-anxiety meds. Like, stuff just, <laughs> we just give less fucks. We're just a little more chill. <laughs> and you get what you get. <laughs> I like how you're giving to the anti-anxiety meds, but also, like, a whole ass pandemic happens. Um, yeah. And, like, so many other things. We're just... I know, I know. Prioritize. Helps you prioritize what it really does. you're worried about and what you don't. Yeah. Well, we you said something before that I even forgot what it was now, but it reminded me of something um, that I think we might get into with our next mini-sode. What a teaser. Okay. Mm. What an interesting segue. I know. What a segue, a non-segue <laughs> a segue. Non-segue. I have no information, but there was something said. you said that I thought I might say, but I forgot it. Uh-huh. So it's all right. Here yeah. you go. Do your part and get into the next one. Okay. So <laughs> next episode that we're going to chat about is the Fat Phobia mini-sode. Um, I, so we covered like so many, so many definitions in this one. Like we've been giving definitions before, but I made a joke in this episode about how it's like my sixth grade history paper. So you're going to start it at the top with like definitions. And it just, it really felt like that. The way we were reading through it, it was, oh boy, it was, it was a dense listen. It was real <laughs> packed. Um, no thesaurus words. A punch. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. <laughs> What? A, yeah, so that's a nice revival from one of the minisodes. Kat, thank, just you, thank, up, you, uh, thank you, thank you. When we were talking about sound effects earlier, that's what you just heard. <laughs> Kat, please, please do it again for the audience. No, no, yes. no. It's it's been done. You, it's been done. I talked I just, over it though. Oh no! I said that it packed a punch, and then I said, "pow pow," like it was a one-two punch. You know? Yeah. Thank you. Pow pow. Oh wow! Good, good sound. Good, good storytelling. I love it. Thank okay. You. Wow. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> no, but it's better than my definition usage. But it's still helpful because we covered but so, so, so much. We got to share. Like, I think um, in terms of these mini notes, I think it was essential for us to share definitions, although it's like a little dry. It's like, yeah, we got to get we got to let people know how we're coming at these topics. And I think one of the ways to do that is to just like be be clear about like, here's how we define this thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, especially when things change, too. So, yeah, why don't I start with a, a little recap on the a little glossary moment here do with it, you all. Do it. So we we consider that fat phobia is the fear and dislike of fat people and the stigmatization of individuals with bigger bodies. We did do a little bit of um I don't know, like untangling of that and like other words that are associated with it. So mm-hmm. we talked about weight stigma and how sometimes that and fat phobia can be used interchangeably. Um, but like we also want to talk about sizeism. So sizeism is more of like uh, it's well, I'll just give you the definition. It's defined as prejudice or discrimination on the grounds of a person's size. So we think about sizeism as the umbrella under which fat phobia and weight stigma, which like refers to negative attitudes and behavior made towards fat people, those live under that concept of sizeism. Um, we also talk sizeism can be more than just like our body size, like our weight, basically, right? Yeah. So it could be height, stature, muscle mass, skeletal size, mm-hmm. just to name a few things. And so like fat phobia and weight stigma are forms of sizeism, but to your point, Kat, sizeism extends beyond fatness. Yeah. So like think about that. I think we covered that in a minute. Like <laughs> <laughs> we just ran through those definitions. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really helpful, especially – so this is something that, like, I would actually amend now is that when we when we did this, we titled it Fat Phobia because it's the most common usage of that mm-hmm. consideration of, of, like, fear and dislike of fat phobia. But since then and after reading, you know, Aubrey Gordon's work and just thinking about it more, I don't really use fat phobia any longer. I use right. anti-fat bias because it isn't, like, a psychological condition. It is a systematic and, like – individual choice and so kind of removing it from that um i don't know like medicalized term to some extent when you think of a phobia i think makes more sense for me and um i don't know i how do you conceptualize it now kat i okay i like what you just shared i find that i use both terms okay um, but I think, and, and I think part of it is because like fat phobia is so generally used, you know, like it's still very much used and understood, but I think one of the reasons why, I think there's multiple reasons why saying anti-fat bias instead makes a lot more sense. But one of the reasons why I like it is that I feel like it's more like in your face, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, by that, I guess I mean to say like, I think it probably is easier for people to think like, oh, maybe I do have some bias versus like, oh, maybe I do have a phobia, you know, like I think it makes it more just like, oh, I'm, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm explaining it very well, but like the, I feel like it might be easier for someone to not only understand what anti-fat bias is getting at, but also perhaps reflect on the, like how that might be inside of them. I just think that people like to think like oh I have a bias is feels a little uh less um scary than trying to say like oh I have a documented phobia which again doesn't really make sense either mm-hmm. you know in, in that in that way either so yeah I think that were we to do this again I would definitely be down for amending um the title and focusing more on anti-fat bias um than fat phobia in our language usage and discussion yeah 
giving a like a solid definition of it as opposed to me just trying to muddle my way through why I like it better than no I think it's good and actually you know I think in these show notes maybe we link a piece that uh, I think Aubrey Gordon talks about this in her book but there's a piece that I read recently and I was like oh yeah this like really puts this into perspective and just I was reading the piece and I was like this just aligns with things Soraya has been telling me for for a long while here so maybe I'll try to find (laughs) that and link that in the show notes so someone else can read you know um more information about that because again we don't have time to go all the way into it here no but we want to touch on the things that we would like to have if we had time to redo them or yeah yeah that that would be useful for everybody else but um okay let's talk more about what we did like um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know why it was so charming to me in our minisodes we referred to some of them as a little treat for your ears (laughs) which i just find very endearing it was, I just think like, I don't know if it was me or you who said it, but the way we popped out with it was just kind of silly. And that struck me too. when I was re-listening to these. Yeah. And I just, yeah, we, even though it was chock full of glossary terms and read like a bad sixth grade report, <laughs> no, a good one, a good sixth grade report. Um, it just, we did still have a little fun with it. So I appreciated yeah. that. Um, I love that we still focused on the fact that this most negatively impacts fat folks and the most fat folks, but mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. calling into the fact that like, if you're considering fat phobia, it does impact thin people too, to the point where like, you know, everyone has weight fluctuations. Everybody has been, you know, impacted by fat phobia or anti-fat bias in some way, shape or form. Um, and I think that was really helpful. We did that with diet culture too, where we talked about like, just because you're not on a diet doesn't mean you're not impacted by this immersive experience in our culture. So um, I thought that was a good way to to provide context. That's like, okay, if you're listening to this and you're not a fat person, you're not immune from this and you're a yeah. participant in it too. I actually think that this one was maybe my favorite out Ooh. of all of them. Um, and I, I guess I wouldn't have said that until we just did this most re- – or I, I did a, re- a recent re-listen of all of these in preparation for um, f- for this. I'm sure you did too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is my favorite. And perhaps it was because there were little things we said that I kind of forgot about. And that is one of them. Like we really made sure to say, even if you're not fat or haven't been fat, like fat phobia negatively impacts you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the, you know, it's like the water we're swimming in. It's like, you know, how our culture is set up. So like, even if you're not fat, this like, you know, the fear that some folks have of being fat, like that got in your head because mm-hmm. the culture we have is rooted in anti-fat bias, you know? Exactly. Um, and so I was so glad that we mentioned that. Um, I'm glad you brought that up here too. Yeah. I guess another thing that I'm really proud of is that, again, like this conversation has continued to grow. And so some things like Sabrina Strings' work uh, from the book Fearing the Black Body, I think are really well known now, at least by people who care to talk about this and understand body liberation and things like that. But at the time, that was a newer a newer text. And I'm really glad that we got to bring it in and just talk about how like eugenics and Protestantism and all of these other cultural aspects really feed into fat phobia or anti-fat bias. And so I'm really proud that we did our good research with that and like affirming her research and um yeah, I just I'm excited that we we took something that was of the moment and to see it I don't know, grow and and be true today. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again now. 
Yeah, I was. It was great to be able to use so much of Sabrina Strings' work, and I agree that you know her book had been out. Fearing the Black Body had been out like maybe a year or two at that point. Okay, but it didn't feel like she was being interviewed as much and talked about as much. You know, it just like didn't. Mm-hmm. And and now it feels like we hear so much about Sabrina, and it's not like we are the first ones to be like, oh, no, Sabrina Strings' work we is didn't valuable. Find not at it. all. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Um, but it was like a. It's just it's a really um. Oh God, her work is just so cool. Like she, the just the and and how could we do this topic justice without bringing that in? So I agree that I'm proud that we were able to really like go there in some. I mean, connecting this shit to like eugenics, it's a big fucking deal. Like transatlantic sla- slave trade, like that's a bit like oh you know just some light reading for that's the day. Literally you know? what we said, we're like oh right. let's wrap into some history, eugenics and the transatlantic slave trade. Here's your yeah. mini note. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good banter there, I suppose. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> And also, like, looking at the historical aspects, but the current aspects of it all. So we talked about how it was federally legal to discriminate on the basis of body size. We talked about, like, human dignity as far as not being able to get, like, accessible clothing so you can Mm -hmm. clothe yourself. We talked about medicalized anti-fat bias, healthism discrimination masked as concern. Like, there's just a big gamut of what anti-fat bias looks like and we tried to do a good job of of touching on so many different areas and each of Mm -hmm. those could have been their own podcast or podcast series I think it was great to include so many examples because I I wonder if um, some people who have not experienced that or been close to these topics before even like would think of those things you know Mm -hmm. yeah Um, I wonder what what else are there things that you would amend or change? Um, or are there more loves? There's one more love that I want to talk about. So we gave examples of what that looks like in our life as far as like the impact of anti-fat bias. And I thought you did a good job of providing, you know, we talk about theoretical impacts of anti-fat bias and mm-hmm. then really just honing in, which is something we try to do with our interview episodes. Yeah. But your example was really, I don't know, we were talking about um, Fatitude, the movie, and yeah. how you were really struck by all of the messaging. So they just did this this reel of one image after the other of, like, kids' cartoons and movies that are really harmful and portraying, like, fat people in a really negative way. And you were just talking about, you know, that's just something that I, like a sponge, soaked up internalized and have been carrying with me ever since I was a small child. And like, think about how toxic and harmful that is. Yeah. Yeah. And just like to think that that's still like, you know, in all the work I'm doing, like I, I'm not, I'm still not immune to those things. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. It just, yeah. I think if I let myself go there, I recognize just like how deep these things are embedded in each of us and are just like, just part of the fabric of just so much of what we've experienced in our lives. Whoa. I mean, like there's just, it's a lot, it's kind of heavy. (laughs) Um, And also, yeah, that's, I guess how I feel. So I'm glad that that, um, that, that example hit. Yeah. It was good. You did a good job. You know what you didn't do a good job with? What? Pow, pow. Pow, pow. No, I, (laughs) that's why I mentioned it. I saw it on your list of things you'd like to amend. And that's why I did it at the top. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for getting it out of the way. It? Why did you hate it so much? I don't know. Cheesy. Yeah. And mm. I, I like a good amount of cheese, but now we got that's a lot true. of sound bites for that forever in perpetuity. <laughs> so that's oh good. Gosh. Okay, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> no, I mean, other than that, I think we've kind of talked about the the energy. It was just like very steady and very professional, which is like <laughs> not that we're unprofessional, but I, I'm glad we've changed. I'm glad we've shifted a little bit with that. And then the other major thing that I think would be really important for us to amend is is that we really emphasize Lindo Bacon and their work with health at every size. Yeah. Yeah. And so health at every size is one framework. I don't even really rely on it as much anymore. Like when I first learned about it, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. This is really great. But it's just like one of many different things that are out there. Um, And and I think that's not even the reason why I would amend it (laughs) in this episode. It's more so that there was a significant, in my opinion, controversy with Lindo's work and centering of themselves and their privilege tied to haze or health at every size above others, like primarily Black, Indigenous, Latinx, and lower socioeconomic people who are negatively impacted by anti-fat bias. So I, I think just based on that controversy and like the concept of haze and who it does and doesn't belong to and and who it helps and doesn't help. Um, Primarily, I think it would be better to do a deep dive on, and I I guess I suggest you also, listener, if you haven't already, I would encourage you to read, as does Holding Lindo Bacon Accountable for Repeated Harm in the Fat Liberation and Hayes Communities. So we'll definitely link out to that, but it does a very nice job of, of breaking down exactly why. Uh, what happened was controversial and just how they centered themselves and didn't really pass on that authorship of the Hayes books to other people and continuing the conversation of fat liberation. Um, So yeah, that's what I would do differently. I agree. And I have uh, honestly like this, when this all um, kind of went down when we weren't in season. Um, And I think if it had happened, it would have been like, Ooh. Yeah, we would have been talking about it quite a bit. And I realize we haven't really talked about it in the pod yet. I don't know. Maybe it'll find its way into an, into a dirt and discourse. Maybe it won't. Um, but what's curious is that, like, Asda holds a trademark for Hayes. And, yeah. and like, Lindo Bacon doesn't. And so I guess there's still, like, a lot there I don't understand. Um, but I do think that Asda is doing really important work uh, just generally around fat liberation. Um, and so... Yeah, I just think, yeah, the, the the work that they've done to hold Lindo accountable is helpful um, and worth a read if you haven't checked that out already. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else that I would amend, actually. But I do want to, like, reiterate something that I think it's you want to reiterate. that you love and that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mutual love club over here. So... I think it'd be nice to end like this segment of talking about this episode, this mini-sode, um, in the same way that we ended the original mini-sode. Do it, uh, do it, do it. Okay. So it's a quote from, as Kat mentioned before, one of our favorites, who's a black feminist culture editor, writer, and scholar. Of course, we're talking about Yvette Dion. And uh, the quote is, there is nothing wrong with wanting to be affirmed by people who understand how crucial it is to love your body as it is. In fact, There's an entire history of people who have done exactly that and fought for the dignity of fat people. You can learn that history and then carry on that legacy. In fact, the movement has been waiting for you all along. Oh, my God. It is just... I just get so caught up with it. It's so beautiful. Oh, my God. I just... I love that. I We should end every episode of every everything with that. It's just so great. So, so good. 
it's just such a call into like don't fall into despair because this has been railed against for so long like fall into community fall into love fall yeah. into communication with oh. others who who share the same beliefs oh. and like same interests it's beautiful it's really beautiful gosh yeah. Yvette Dion is just such a gift a gift to all of us mm-hmm. yeah oh, okay you know what isn't a gift diet culture sure ain't <laughs> There's a segue for you. Okay, so that was another mini-sode. Obviously, we, I kind of, like, teased a little bit about it earlier, other than us, out, like, outrightly saying that's what we were going to cover. Um, but, yeah, so our next mini-sode was diet culture. Hit them with the definitions. We got to give them definitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by M, I mean, like, all of us, mm-hmm. you, me, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's – so diet culture, so diet and weight loss culture, or often just shortened to diet culture, is a system of beliefs that glorifies thinness, equates health to moral virtue, and promotes weight loss at any cost. Um, so we we talked a little bit about that. We also – my favorite part was going through the history of dieting and just, like, how dieting has pro- – popped up over and over and over again we Um, went there and you researched so much for that and you came with all the wild facts Soraya that was such a fun and like silly but also like helpful context um for that mini-sode yeah and also like there's so much more and like a lot of other people have done that research too but wow humans just love to stay dieting and love to like bring back the same nonsense over and over again and like never learn from our choices are you gonna talk about um hot boy summer with our like potato and vinegar eating <laughs> lord byron was it you stole my oh my god you stole it i was gonna give you i was gonna no. ask you if you remembered about a hot vinegar boy summer That's what I, I mean how could i forget that's like the main thing i remember from that in inter- like of all of the diets people and things that you shared that's the one that i will never forget okay so just so what are we even talking about does anybody know if no, you listen no. to it, maybe okay so one of the things i talked about was lord byron and how he was just like the it boy of the time he would for sure be an influencer <laughs> these days um but like his whole thing was being very pale and very thin and that was just like romanticism people loved that and his whole thing was that he would eat and drink vinegar or like vinegar soaked potatoes just to keep his very very slim visage and you know gross but I do want to do a little BTS so I originally wrote that hot vinegar boy summer line but Kat delivered it really really well so I didn't realize I was the one who delivered it because that was all you I know you delivered it and you did a great job wow. with it. <laughs> yeah. I think it played really well. I think that's one of the great examples of where we'll like we'll both write a joke or like we'll write a joke, but then the other person it's suited to like what they're saying at the time. Yeah. And so it just rolls with it. But yeah. I am proud of that one. We did I mean, um, we I don't think we're like comic geniuses here, but I what? do think that we did we throughout the years of scripting these things, we have had some fun little LOLs. Honestly, I get my dad more and more every year because he'll say stuff like that's not really not funny he's like yeah but i like to make myself laugh that's true <laughs> that's oh, us that's so you sad. and me just laughing at yeah. ourselves Shoot. and if you're laughing too dear listener thank you bless you <laughs> um oh man okay so yes we did that we talked about cat made me not do all of my research not share out of my research because it was a mini so we had we to, needed to there cut was it down. so much it's so much research so we just like yeah like zoomed through time and space time and space but i will i brought some 
fun facts back that didn't make it did into not. the episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if we want to do that, I don't know okay. if we want to do that. Uh, okay, before we get into it though, yes. maybe I'll save it and we'll see if we want to do this a little bit later. But I, I will say, so we did examples of history. What else did we talk about? We talked about like what you can do instead of being consumed with dieting and reducing beliefs. Yeah. So we, we made it actionable. And then like, I don't know. I just at the end of it, I shared an example that I thought was profound, mostly because it's my example, but about how once you recognize weight loss culture, um, once you recognize how it just like we are immersed in it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And so my example was about, you know, as a young kid. I didn't know how to read. And then all of a sudden when I learned how to read, I'd look up and see all these billboards around me and be like, oh, people have been communicating the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's been here all the time and I just didn't even realize mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And now I know what to look for and now I can't unsee it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what it was for us with this mini sewed was like, how can we just like really put some concrete examples together of what diet culture looks like and like how – Everybody can start to recognize it and decide what they want to do for themselves yeah. in regards to it. Yeah, because it is just like all around us. It's sometimes yeah. hard to notice it. And I think, we, you know, we did. Yeah, we just we don't need to do it now, I guess. Go listen to the mini so y'all. Um, but just like a lot of I think wasn't there like some research from Reagan Chastain that we really utilize or some some words from her that we really, really utilize like diet culture does this and this and this and it just felt you like good examples yes yeah, it felt like it it. Felt, i don't think we need to i think okay. um but i i like that and i think that like that would be good if what we're saying dear listener sounds interesting to you mm-hmm. head over to that minisode oh and Soraya, we should mention that this minisode we so like the first three we, we recorded as the very first part of season three but by the diet culture minisode, which came out much later in the season, along with some other minisodes, but the other minisodes weren't as like fat lib 101 kind of deals like these were. Um, by the time we got to this minisode, we were a little chattier. Way chattier. You which were, I you, enjoy. You noticed that too, right? Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I put it in that bullet point, baby. I didn't even and see. Know- oh, it's the first one. You got so, so many bullet points here, babe. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. You did say that. Sorry. <laughs> Stealing no, your points. Funny. No, 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 no. It's good because we have the same things. Yeah. We were definitely more comfortable. I also do appreciate that even though we were more comfortable, that didn't mean that we didn't um, pull in the research in like voice of other people who have said all these profound things yeah, too. Yeah. So like we talked about Christy Harrison in that episode and how she said that Western culture is by and large diet culture. That's powerful. True. Yeah. Accurate. You said like the Reagan Chastain because Reagan did a great job of laying out like what is diet culture? What does it look like? How does it harm us? And so yes, go back and listen to that episode or look up her information. Um, and then there was another one that we used from Marilyn Wan. And the quote is, the only thing anyone can diagnose by looking at a fat person is their own level of prejudice toward fat people. Exactly. Exactly. You don't need to know anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, but like that's a pretty solid yeah. one. I'm trying to think. What else did you enjoy about that episode? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I love the stuff that you loved. I, okay, but I I loved Vivi. We heard Vivi oh, in the background. Yeah, we did. Sweet angel My baby, R.I.P. Sweet Vivi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ever since she would just get so loud when we were recording, sometimes mm-hmm. just like really freaking loud. And now you experience that with Bogart a little bit, where he just like yeah, something just like gets in him, and he's just like noisy for a little while. And the same with Vivi. She would just like well, and also I record in my closet very often, so she'd mm-hmm. come by the door and just be like, "It's bedtime." 
time. What the fuck you doing? What are you doing in that closet, man? (laughs) Get out. So loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like I so loved hearing her because it was just like a little memory of her and our our time together. Yeah. That's something I wouldn't change. No. In that episode. Mm -hmm. That's sweet. Um, things I would change. Yeah. I would change. Well, <laughs> oh no. Well, maybe it's more. You said "au contraire" at one point. I, oh, contraire! <laughs> we really no, I was like, "Wow!" And you said bold. Bold to introduce that at the end of the season here. <laughs> right? Like, I can't just say it once and be okay no. with it. Mm-mm. Oh wow! Your catchphrases are are pro- are necessary in every episode, almost every episode. Um, I well, so like. An example, this isn't a catchphrase, but you did bring up Noom through many episodes, including Noom. this one. I fucking hate Noom. I know. <laughs> yeah, so that that was consistent, at least in this. Mm-hmm. I guess something else we could have gone further in, like at one point I talked about how there's like all of these moral aspects of dieting yeah, and like, like uh, the religious context yeah, yeah, of yeah. that. I remember. And I remember us like saying explicitly, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would have been interesting to go into more of. Um, did you want to hear any more of those examples of dieting? Okay. I think you need to give us one. You, this is a, I'm just scrolling through. We don't got time for all this, but I think it would be fun for one. Can, is that, is that an appropriate I'm going to do ask? more than one. I know you said one, but I can't. I can't not. Uh, There's like so many. So I want to do a few. Make it quick. Oh, come now. (laughs) All right. So this is a quote. So the year was 1903, right around the time big insurance companies began rating policyholders based on their weights. Horace Fletcher, an art dealer in San Francisco, was too fat to qualify for insurance. So he invented his own weight loss plan. He lost 40 pounds by chewing every mouthful 32 times or once for each tooth, and then spitting out the rest. Later, he refined the Fletcher method to chewing until the food is completely liquid, or at least 100 times. He took pride in the fact that he only pooped twice a month, and his was no more offensive than wet clay and had no more odor than a hot biscuit. What? Okay, there's just, like, so much there, and I don't know if I want to go into any of it. Oh, my God. Pooping twice a month and being proud of it? Excuse me. Fiber? What is happening? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But the thing that gets me about this, and this is indicative of all the things we talked about, is that it's still, like, advice that pops up now so like i swear on instagram reels the other day i saw a woman talking about how she chews her food 45 times every time she takes a bite yeah i mean horace would be proud i don't really would i don't (laughs) doubt that like chewing my food more is not a bad idea for like digestion and things stuff like that but like not a hundred times not liquefying it that's not it you know what this kind of reminds me of it's not the same but it feels reminiscent of this it's i think it's like this like um Courtney Kardashian quote that gets like like uh, spread around or the the like audio where she's like I don't want to eat it but I'm just gonna but don't you just love to smell it or something like that it. yes it, that's yes. that kind of imagine yes, yes. imagine it Blah. gross mm-hmm. yeah is it's gnarly it's gnarly um what's another fun one okay I oh go oh. ahead you go for it that one you have highlighted in here I thought was one of the most compelling things that you shared in that episode. Yeah, so maybe even though uh, we talked about it, it's worth it, uh, just to emphasize it again. I will – you know what, Kat? Yes? I will give in. I will only share that Horace Fletcher 
bit and then I will reshare this one for you. So compromise. Compromise Uh is how we've made Uh it all the way through. (laughs) Just constant coverage. Um, Okay. So the the quote that I'm going to reiterate from the mini-sode is that a British study completed in 1950 had two groups of people overeat for a week. Thin people's metabolism raised when they overate to burn off the excess calories. Overweight people's did not rise, leading the researchers to conclude that, quote unquote, diet advice is heartless and out of date in 1950. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, I lied. I'm not compromising. Oh my God, you're so excited. What is it? What is it? You got to do it. It's just a quick mention, but like amphetamines became super popular in the 60s. Uh So like, let's think about how that actually like kicked off a whole new era of dieting and like medicalized dieting and things like that. Uh And I think that is important because I'm not going to give you any more fun facts. But at the end of the of the mini set, I talked about how like the future of diet is probably in three future of dieting, I should say, mm-hmm. is probably in three trends. So nutrigenomics, how food impacts like us on our molecular level, uh, our genomic mm-hmm, level, mm-hmm. prescription drugs, and more governmental intervention in the food supply. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was kind of where we left it off, and like. Yeah, it's truly going that way. You think about, I think about Instagram, I think about social media and all the things that are offered to me, and they all do follow into those areas, except maybe not governmental intervention in the food supply. Mm. Um, I would also say there are more like wellness initiatives in diet instead of dieting and reducing. So, yeah. like, for example, Noom and its rebrand mm-hmm. um, from weight loss to now it's goal setting and wellness. But it's still weight loss and- once you pay to get into the thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Or like there are 14 plus FDA approved weight loss drugs that um, exist currently. So that does align with that prescri- prescription drug outcome. Um, but like the side effects of those are really, really bad. And I, I would also say that the governmental intervention in the food supply, I don't think aligns with it because at least our government doesn't really care about safety for women children or the environment and so i don't even think that governmental like um intervention in the food supply is is particularly likely i don't think this is that but it feels uh, like uh, aligned with that uh, sentiment like what you know um there are some states in which like soda is taxed so like you pay Mm. an extra tax if you're getting soda versus if you get like a water or a juice or something um do you think that aligns with that i guess it's not intervention in food supply itself a little but bit. like it, government like influence on like purchasing habit you know what i'm saying yeah i do and also just the way that people um engage with the government these days i don't think that the government has that much more control over it no that it, well it and want. like it's so funny like if that's what they're doing like that's not gonna help anybody you know like right it's like the choices the government makes it's just like why is that what you're spending time and resources on like there are so yeah. many things you could do that would actually like be good for our population but like who's doing that stuff not them oh my gosh and yeah and i think we've talked about that in a couple of these minisodes it's just like the indicators of health yes it's not just food no right so like if we're going to talk about governmental intervention it's not the food supply it should actually be in like other basic needs that people have or the way that funding goes towards getting people you know out of food deserts right. or their health and safety in other ways yeah. so it's just better neighborhoods. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's just like yeah. i mean 
our country's so good at just like making it like sort of an untenable scenario and then convincing us that like we are responsible for our own issues and problems. Um, And that's like, I don't know if that's not the most American thing. I don't know what is individual failings. It's on you. It's your fault. Do better. (laughs) Do better. Well, do better America, but not in the way they're telling us to. I don't know. Oh my God. It's that's a whole nother podcast, isn't it? Oof, yeah. Okay, but good thing this is season five and we're not getting into other podcasts. <gasps> okay, <laughs> there's one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and I actually forgot which episode, which of these minisodes it's in, but remember... <laughs> There's a point at which you're like, yeah, just stay tuned. Just listen. We're very fun. <laughs> do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I do. Which one was that? Oh, I don't remember which one it is. I just remember <laughs> writing it and then being like, what the heck? Who says that? Also, Who like, writes that, like, first of all? Who says that? And then I think I made a quip saying like, yeah, if we say it, you know it's true. So so silly. So silly. We're very fun, though, Kat. Yeah, I know. I would I would write that down and then say it again. <laughs> I think we're fun and we're having a fun time. Very fun time. And there you have it. A revisit of some of our most informational minisodes. From your fave fat Midwestern Mythbusters who are very fun, coming in, packing the punches, pow pow, with the minisodes. Psychological damage. That hurts me. (laughs) That hurts me. I could not help it. Okay. This is off the rails. It's getting even more out of hand than usual. (laughs) Um so let's 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 end it let's end it you can visit our website www.matterfatpod.com to find show notes um, especially from those mini shows yeah. because there's so much information we've got transcripts info about matter fat uh, access to older episodes obviously and links to our venmo in case you want to send us some fat cash please subscribe rate and review our podcast wherever you catch matter of fat and we love 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 your shares and shout outs on social media so please keep them coming Yeah, until next time when we're back with another episode of Matter of Fat. Um, hi, this is Soraya coming to you live from the same same place I always come to you from. Um so the reason I brought you all here today is to share all those dieting examples that I didn't get to share in the previous episode or even the previous mini-sode. Um, you know, I guess I'm not that good at compromise. But if you made it this far, strap in, listen up. This is These are the other examples I've got for you. Okay, so we talked about uh, Horace Fletcher and his like 1903 chewing uh, fondness. Uh, so here we're going to jump into after World War One. So there was a social revolution between moralism through prohibition. So at that time, there was also a new form of feminism, uh, or not feminism, but like feminine fashion focused in on androgynous thinness but like more so in reducing curves which is like very white supremacy it is it is giving eugenics um but magazines geared towards women and companies started finding ways to really enforce those beauty standards and have people pay for them so they started selling bathroom scales chewing gums and pills that had really ill effects like 
even of death or going blind, but also in an effort to enhance your metabolism. At this time, cigarettes were advertised as health aids. Yuck. And Hollywood was a big contributor to these ideals of beauty. So that's fun. Then the Great Depression came in. And we talked about this a little bit in the minisode, but it showed that like overindulgence in food was really amoral with so many people going hungry. And so this belief of uh, like fatness was really equated with eating and eating in excess. And this came in the form of like even more diet aids and more products on sale and an increase in laxatives too. Um, in World War II, there was rationing of foods. And so if you were to eat anything beyond what was already allotted to you or grown in your own home, um, think like victory gardens, you were seen as unpatriotic. So then think about the vitriol that like fat people would get if they assume that you're fat because you eat more and you eat more than anybody else. Well, now you're, you know, quote unquote terrorist. That's a little... That's a little bold of me. That language wasn't utilized at that time, but okay. Anyway, so, all right. No wonder Kat made me go so fast through this. We're not even speeding through the decades yet. So in 1943, the U.S. federal government issued its first guidelines for good nutrition, recommended that everyone eat from the following seven food groups every day. Vegetables, citrus, and salad greens, potatoes and fruits, milk and dairy, meat and poultry, bread and cereals, and finally butter and margarine. These guidelines were an always are important in that they help determine school lunch programs, programs for the hungry, which crops should be raised, subsidized, etc. So this is where we do see some of that government intervention coming in and like really dictating what is and isn't allowed to be consumed. Um, okay, cool. In 1942, the Metropolitan Life, uh, so MetLife Insurance, created the first age and weight tables that showed ideal weights for men and women based on their height. Still going strong. In the mid-1940s, Sears Roebuck and Montgomery Ward began to offer plus-size clothing for women. The notation was a standard size with a plus mark after it. So an example would be like size 14 plus. Um, in 1949, doctors formed the National Obesity Society to understand the causes, consequences, prevention, and treatment of obesity. But then that year later is that British study that we talked about. Um, let's see. What else? We talked about this in the mini-sode. But like Weight Watchers was created in 1962, and they originally used a diet designed for cardiac patients by the New York Health Department, uh, or sorry, the New York Department of Public Health. Like solid business move, still paying off dividends for them. And uh, here we are. Thank you for letting me take up your time and really talk about all these other diets that I found out about. Um, that's all. Thanks for listening. Bye.